Hello, Bagel Babes. Welcome back to the Bagel Babes podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey. I have absolutely no qualifications to be talking about 99% of the things I talk about on this podcast, but we're going to do it anyway, because we're going to do it with a little disclaimer. Today, I wanted to talk about calorie density, almost like a little calorie density 101, just stuff that I've learned from my own research. Again, I am not a fucking professional. I am not a medical professional. I'm barely a regular professional. So please, before you do anything, definitely consult your doctor, your nutritionist, whoever it is that you have on your wellness team. But I did want to talk about this topic because it kind of changed the way that I looked at food or was able to eat food without this like very problematic, neurotic, unhealthy obsession with calories. It I really just think it kind of taught me to look at both caloric density and nutrient density and learn to eat a little bit more balanced in a way that feels healthy and not obsessive. So I'm just sharing this from my own personal experience. I'm a really big believer that like when it comes to your diet, there's room for everything in moderation. So I'm just somebody who really likes to eat. I, I don't know if I have an oral fixation. I don't know what it is. I fucking love to eat and I love to eat in volume. So learning how to identify calorie dense foods and just like strategically stock my own fridge with foods that are low in calorie density and or like high in nutrient density, it's just been a game changer. So I don't know what your wellness goal is. I don't even know if you have any. I just wanted to do a little calorie density 101 and give you like a light intro into what it is and how you can basically eat a shit ton of food potentially while eating more nutrients and actually fewer calories. So let's dig in. Calorie density explained. Basically, calorie density has to do with, you guessed it, the density of calories within food. Foods with high caloric density, basically that just means that like for a teeny little eensy bit of that food, you're actually getting a whole lot of calories versus foods with low caloric density, you could eat much more in volume than that of food with fewer calories. Did I explain that right? It's kind of confusing. I feel like it's easier to look at an example. So grapes and raisins are actually really, really awesome to look at as an example here. Grapes have low caloric density. They're mostly water. They're these juicy little plump fruits, right? Raisins are like shriveled little old people. They do not have much water in them. They actually have higher caloric density than their juicy grape friends. So if you had two piles, one with 100 calories of grapes and another with 100 calories of raisins, yeah, they have the same amount of calories, but the grapes would actually keep you full much longer and your pile would be bigger. So you could eat more and stay full longer for the same amount of calories. So basically, I just want to be clear. I don't believe in bad or good food. I, I'm pretty pissed off at the like demonization of food groups because the reality is, is like food isn't moral. It's not a bad cookie or a bad piece of bread. It didn't do anything. It's not a bad thing. It just is. And it's us that has prescribed this like story about whether or not food is good or bad. Everything in moderation is really definitely where I stand. So almonds, for example, they have high caloric density, but they're a great plant-based source of protein. So that doesn't mean high caloric density foods are quote unquote bad. It just means that you have to know it for what it is. A handful of almonds is going to have, you know, high calorie density and it's protein. So it'll keep you full for a bit, 
But if you had the same amount of calories of like a berry bowl, you'd get to eat bowls and bowls, right? So just it's just about that awareness and kind of knowing what works for you. So what I would say, the things to know about eating a calorically balanced diet, and like here's, here's the main thing I really love about the magic of calorie density. I just want to eat a lot, like a lot, like volume-wise. I want to be constantly eating my mom's Italian, her mom's Italian. I swear to God, at 8 a.m., they're all screaming about what we're going to have for lunch. Is it Jimmy John's? Who's ordering what? I'm telling you, food is an obsession. It's all about what the fuck is for dinner. So for me, I just have this ingrained in myself. It's all about when is the next meal? What is it? And I feel like I'm always thinking about food. So understanding how to know about calorie density and how to eat with this knowledge, it's been really helpful for me because essentially when I choose my snacks and meals, I mean, I love the look of a full plate. And so I'm able to strategically have low calorie density foods that are also high in nutrients, like your fruits and veggies on my plate. I can eat more of it, pretty much as much of it as I want and feel full longer. So it's kind of a win-win on the like caloric density, nutrient density thing if you're going the fruits and veggies route. I absolutely still incorporate high-calorie dense foods into my diet. I fucking love chocolate. I don't know what to say. I'm a former cheese addict. I'm trying to come down off that high still. I dream of grilled cheese sandwiches where you pull, pull them apart and it's like porn. It's just sexual. I don't know what to say. So yeah, I definitely love high-calorie dense foods. I just have to realize that stuffing that wheel of cheese into my mouth isn't actually going to keep me full that long. And if anything, it's probably going to give me diarrhea at the end of the day. Okay, as always, I like to brag that pretty much the only value I give you is tips and tricks as to things that I've tried and learned and potentially shit out and it wasn't a great experience. So what I'm going to tell you are a few of my favorite foods that are low calorie density and or high nutrient density. So either or, it's not, I want to be clear, this isn't about, I'm not a calorie counter. I don't count calories. I don't do that because to me, it's very, it makes me a little bit disordered, I think. I become very obsessive if I have to count calories. So learning about how to eat with the awareness of caloric density doesn't mean counting your calories. It just means knowing inherently how to fill your plate properly. So here are a few of my fave low caloric density and or high nutrient density foods. Berries. I fuck with berries. If you guys follow me on Instagram stories at Blondes and Bagels, you know a berry bowl is my life. I love doing strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, pretty much whatever I can pack in there. Berries have loads of healthy nutrients. They have low calorie density. They're pretty filling. They taste delicious. Please don't fucking DM me about the sugar. I'm so sick of people ragging on berries saying like, well, watch the sugar and fruit. Like, yes, I understand fruits have sugar, but it's also natural. And I don't think a calorie is a calorie. So like I like, for example, I think there's a big difference between eating 100 calories of natural fruit sugar rather than like 100 calories of cereal sugar, right? Just my two cents. I think the quality of the calories are different. So yeah, I'm aware there's sugar and fruit. It's delicious. Keeps me full. I don't know anybody that ever got metabolic diseases from eating bowls of strawberries every day. Okay. Two, roasted veggies. I am definitely of that variety of millennial that really my only exposure to vegetables, it's, it's almost like we, we 
don't know about seasonings, and I feel like I have been enlightened recently. There is a whole world of ways to make vegetables that don't taste like shit. And switching to roasting from like steaming, I don't know why we all seemed to love, not love, we actually fucking hated it, but everybody steamed veggies. That's how they're healthy, steamed veggies. Fucking roast them. It tastes way better, way better. You can season it. There's actually some flavor in it. I love doing big sheet pans of like squash, sweet potato, chickpeas, kale. The kale is really nice. It kind of turns them into like crunchy kale chips. It's delicious. I mean, really any vegetables, it just, it's, it gets them nice and savory. You don't even have to be fancy with your seasoning. I'm no chef, salt, pepper, garlic powder, any of that. It's just so delicious on roasted vegetables. Asparagus, that's another one. Your pea will absolutely smell horrible, but they are super delicious. If you just roast them with like a little olive oil, salt, pepper, you're good to go. And the last piece I would say that I've become just in love with, I've always been a carb fan, obviously. Obviously, I love a good carb. My ode to carbs in my podcast name, my brand name, all of it. I fucking love carbs. Do you need any more proof? But here's the thing. It seems like Americans hate carbs. I don't know. Is it just me? Like diet culture really demonizes carbs. And the thing is, is like there's a really massive difference between eating processed white carbs and healthy carbs. For example, there are carbs in your vegetables or, you know, the ones that I think get lumped in with the white processed carbs would be whole grains. And I think it's because here in the U.S. we really focus on weight, on body fat, uh, if we're honest, on how we look. I mean, I don't really know too many people who choose foods that that do so because they're looking at wellness goals that have to do more about longevity. And that's something I've been going down the absolute rabbit hole on is diets for longevity. How not even just diets, just like living style for longevity. I I'm trying to research that. I will do a little bit more on that in the future, but just, I just want you to know when it comes to the populations on this planet who live the longest, so like the places that have the highest density of centennials, people who live above 100, 65% of their diet consists of whole grains. So my whole point with this, this like demonization of carbs in diet culture, to me, it seems really misguided. And again, we all have our own wellness goals and beliefs. Do you, if carbs aren't for you, don't eat them. I'm not trying to like tell people to eat shit that doesn't work for them. But I just want to say, like, give healthy, whole, high-quality grains a chance. They are scientifically proven to increase longevity by reducing the risk for chronic metabolic diseases. Like, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) There's actual science that says it's okay to have high-quality whole grains. Think, like, sourdough, especially if it's homemade. I don't know that I would trust the stuff, you know, wrapped in plastic at the grocery store. There's preservatives there, but you know, we're all on this sourdough bacon train in quarantine, like get on it, man, because that shit's good for you. But quality of food groups is just major when it comes to nutrient density. So this is like a little bit of a, you know, a mix of the, the conversation around calorie density and nutrient density. I would say that like you definitely have to be aware of the fact that Whole grains are a little bit of a middle ground when it comes to calorie density. It's not quite the caloric density of, say, an almond or chocolate or cheese, but it's also not as low in calorie density as, say, you know, fruits and veggies. But I do just want to note the demonization of whole grains feels kind of misguided to me because it's just got so many great, great nutrients if you can, you know, get get them quality. And I think the other little pro here that I want to mention I hear this a lot about if you're going to eat whole grains, you know, 
eat high quality. If you're going to eat vegetables, eat high quality organic. If you're going to eat meat, have grass fed, you know, organic beef or whatever. The great thing about grains is that it's actually not that expensive to get high quality nutrient dense grains like quinoa, like whole wheat pasta, you know, that kind of stuff. It's it's a lot easier to get your hands on from a pricing perspective. So it's not as cost prohibitive for people. And then on top of that, it's also more economically, it's just available. I think food availability is something that I haven't been really aware of until now. Like I live in San Francisco. I live in the Haight-Ashbury area. We have, you know, farmer's markets and and little, we have a Whole Foods down the street. Um, we have a local version of a Whole Foods kind of type store down the street. I mean, we have all of these healthy foods at our disposal, and there are plenty of neighborhoods in this country where really the only thing on the corner is fast food. So I do think that what's nice about whole grains is that they are a little bit more accessible in terms of just being able to get your hands on good quality whole grains. Okay, that's really all I got to say about this. I'm, I'm just, I'm still learning, but having this background knowledge has helped me fill my plate a little bit differently. It's helped me realize that if you're someone like me that just wants to eat and eat and eat, it's really nice to know this because I can just grab stuff that I know I can eat a ton of and it fills me up and it's got a lot of nutrients. And like, what more could you ask for except maybe a little side of cheese, you know? Balance. Everything in moderation. Okay, guys, that's it. I know I just like laid a lot on you. Again, if you're going to make any changes, do your own research, reach out to your doctor. I am not a medical professional. I'm just very passionate about this whole, this whole subject. So hit me up at Blondes and Bagels on Instagram. Please rate. It really helps me out. Subscribe, become part of the fam, and I will catch you guys in the next one. Bye, guys.